Welcome back to the Shula Bowl podcast. What a weekend. Um, my voice is a bit raspy because of all the screaming I was doing at Marlins Park yesterday. We've got, we've got a long episode today, or not a long episode, a big episode, because FIU did what many thought was impossible and upset the University of Miami. In, in a game that, let's be honest here, was it was a pretty much a domination uh, through and through uh, up until the end, you know, they started to make it close. It was something that, that it, it, I'm at like a loss of words. I was on cloud nine. It, it just, it was an emotional night for, for FIU fans. I mean, people who have been here from the beginning, you know, they're constantly trying to build this culture and dealing with the UM fans and the UM just taking the, 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 the attention from the media, you know, it's, it's uphill battle. And to finally come away with a victory in this fashion was just it was it was something in a movie. Uh, last night was was a movie, but we'll talk about that. And and listen, I, I, before I pass this over to Eric uh, to really give some in depth look into this game, but there's a few people I want to give shout outs to. Um, one, uh, the O line as a whole played fantastic. Jose Borgales kicking two 50-yard field goals was just amazing. The momentum there, the secondary, the defense just in general. Uh, the offense, Morgan playing smart, no turnovers. It's just um, – it, it, it was just what a night. And and I'll talk more about it. But, Eric, what are, what are some of your initial thoughts? You know, I almost feel – bad like I shouldn't even be on this podcast right now because I think this is one where it should just be strictly the FIE perspective if you've you know been with this program for the past 18 seasons I feel like this is your moment to sit there and and just cherish it and glow but you know I'll I'll make this quick so I can pass back over to David my biggest takeaways were this I can't speak highly enough of how impressed I was with the team in the sense that this was by far the most hostile atmosphere they they've played in you know, it's not even close. I mean, David, you were there. Shane, I know you watch it on TV. Uh, for those of you who haven't been to Marlins Park or at least the press box area, it's an open air press box. We heard every single bit of booze when my when uh, FIU, excuse me, took the field. And I was, I, I know, you know, once again, this is where being an FIU outsider, I, I guess, I sh- you know, I'm the one who's shocked where you guys aren't. But I was genuinely shocked when I heard how loud the cheers were for the Canes when they came out and how loud the boos were for FIU. And the fact that, I mean, guys, this is a team that, you know, they couldn't handle the rain in Middle Tennessee State. That caused them to, to fall behind 50 to 17. You know, so the fact that they handled this type of atmosphere is just incredible. It's just, it goes as a testament to what Butch Davis was able to do with the bye week and getting the kids ready. And, and just how defiant, I mean, guys like Sage Lewis postgame talking about, we were calling them University of Coral Gables, you know, James Morgan. Uh, even though James kind of shrugged off the idea that the bye week helped his knee, uh, the big tell was that he wasn't wearing the brace, so he looked better. Um, you know, just the team as a whole, the offensive line. I mean, talk about night and day compared to, you know, the entire year. The defense, you know, the, uh, holding this team to, to three points for a majority of the game up until the little fourth quarter flurry. I mean, where did that come from? So just overall, you know, I think I want to leave this one for the FIU faithful to gloat, but just my takeaways and just can't be more impressed with how much res- resolve this team showed Um going into that environment at home. I mean, can you imagine, you know, it's your final home game of the year, quote unquote home game. And you enter the, the stadium in a city where, you know, half of these kids are from South Florida and they get booed out of the building. 
to, to shrug that off and, and get the win, just tremendous. Uh, we kind of like talked about all week. We were talking about the marketing and, you know, that was, that was, and you know, the narrative that FIU wanted to push in this. And we even, I, I think the first podcast, the first or second podcast we ever did on this show was talking about whether this should have been at Marlins park. And I, I think there was always the thing though, that kind of no matter all of that was background. If FIU could win this game, uh, you know, like my question is just for like FIU fans, you know, I was uh, the FAU kind of pulled away in the UTSA game and I was with about 30 FAU fans and we were cheering for just like harder. We were paying more attention to the first half at, you know, the end of halftime for FIU than we were the end of the FAU game because they had already pretty much put it away. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit, but like, uh, this game changes the narrative down here. I mean, just, you know, Eric, even being like a UCF guy, uh, you know, we talk about it so much on the show, just like I was listening to radio yesterday and they were talking about UM and uh, how they opened their, their season at uh, Camping World in Orlando. And they said, yeah, that stadium wasn't ready for us, blah, blah, blah. That's more of a UCF uh, USF opener and just that that arrogance that Canes fans have uh, is it, it changes with this. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, I, I think Sage Lewis saying that the University of Coral Gables and now we see the University of Coral Gables uh, t-shirt on, you know, five reasons. It, it doesn't matter what Canes fans say, FAU, FIU you can't speak down about those programs anymore. You can't, I mean, you lost that for a little while. Oh, a hundred percent. It changes the narrative. And we, I like I said, I said this, I said this the past couple of weeks, the only way to, you know, change the narrative and get people talking about off in this game would be winning this game, which is exactly what they did. And, and when I when, the fact that these FIU players are fully embracing this too, like, like they were, they were throwing the use down. They were, uh, riding on board saying little brother question mark. They were loving this more than, than any of us could. And I'm just one so happy for them. So happy for Butch. Cause this is a big one. Like we talked, <laughs> Shane, I don't think you can talk to Butch saying he, uh, he's never won another big game. Cause this is, a, You're right. uh, this is, is this the biggest winning program in history. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and, and uh, okay. this is our first P five win, which I thought was Louisville, but I was, I was mistaken. So it couldn't have come against a better team. All right, so I'm I'm actually we're gonna I'm gonna kick this over to someone uh, someone special. You know, my dad is joining me today, and and for those who don't know, my dad is one of the guys who helped start the football program at FIU. Um, so this this game definitely means a lot to him, and it was just it was just awesome to get to you know, enjoy this victory with him, but um, I'm going to let him uh, share his thoughts. Take it away. Good morning, gentlemen. Obviously a, a pleasure to always hear you guys out on, on all the podcasts. And as you know, I have my weekly questions, which I guess I could ask Eric directly on, on, on this podcast today, but it has been an incredible morning for me. Um, it was like an incredible night having a lot of fun with my FIU uh, fan, but yeah, the game last night was exceptional. I don't know where this team came from because they had not shown any of last night all year. Um, I had always stated that they were able to beat up on the lesser teams really well. 
but the moment the level of talent just elevated somewhat, they folded. Uh, FAU, Middle Tennessee State, uh, Louisiana Tech, etc. Uh, last night, they really were prepared well. I, I think Miami overlooked us. I think Miami downplayed us and it was to their detriment because we beat them. And I think the game sounds great, makes great noise locally because, number one, the recruits – are, were there. They had 300 recruits, to my understanding, at the game. Uh, they saw a magical night. Uh, hopefully that helps the recruiting. That may even be able to, if we can only steal Borgales' brother, then come that far, you and follow uh, Jose, it'd be great. Um, but it was a great night. It was a great night. Um, I'm, again, I'm trying to get my voice back. I lost most of it last night. Um, but it was truly, truly a special Night for me being someone who was there in Tallahassee when we got the approval for football and fought in every game and done everything for that program. It's really special for me. I mean, you know, you we we were kind of talking about like changing the narrative, and you know, it, I, I think kind of the funny, you know, the part here just from is what is this? And you talk about not beating a great Canes team, and you kind of look at Cade's Twitter from the other side is. You know, what, what, which rock bottom is this for you, M? Because I, I swear, you have hit, what, rock bottom <laughs> five times in the last 10 years? You know, uh, they picked right up where they left off at the Orange Bowl uh, when they closed it first Virginia. Uh, it, it, it's I, – I, what I hope, I guess the question is, is how hard is FIU going to use it? I mean, they should – I mean, they should literally drive a truck around, and I've seen this with Georgia State beat Tennessee this year – around Miami replaying that game, just reminding people. I mean, I mean, but we have seen uh, FIU not almost take advantage of kind of these marketing situations. I, you know, I, I wonder what level they are now that they've won. Oh, I, I think they're going to take full advantage of this. I mean, they should. Um, they, I mean, every, every poster or every, I guess, board, uh, electric board at FIU has a score running right now. Um, it's just a social media push heavy. The players are chirping on Twitter. I mean, let's see, um, let's see if they make a new shirt. Uh, that's just says Kings of Miami because that's what, that's what we need right now. Um, but Eric, Eric, um, you jump in right here. I know you got some questions for my dad. Absolutely. So, you know, Mr. Hondo, I got to say, I, I, I see you all the time out there and I, I know you've got to be ecstatic. I know you're loving this one, but I, I just got a, a quick question for you as the sure. non-South the non-South Floridian here. And I don't want to, you know, be Debbie Downer because obviously this is a great momentous occasion for the program. But Shane had kind of asked me this question before you hopped on in terms of where does this put the program going forward? Right. And I guess my perspective as a UCF alum and seeing how their ascent took place is this. My biggest concern for FIU is that this win is huge. It's, it's historic. But if we go back, if, if FIU goes back next week and they lose 47 to 20 against Marshall and give up 300 rushing yards, what does that do in the South Florida landscape? Because we know right now FIU is in everyone's minds and that can easily go away as quickly as, as one week's time. I, I completely agree with you. I was talking to some of my fellow FIU alums who were talking about the importance of this game. I go, well, you know what? I think the real important game now becomes Marshall because I think if we embarrass ourselves against Marshall and lose and we're six and six, I don't think we assure ourselves of a bowl game because there'll be so many 
six and six or better teams, and we might lose out. I think showing um, a strong performance and beating a good Marshall team, going back to back by beating a power five and a good Marshall team assures us of a, a bowl game, uh, B, uh, a, a momentum into the bowl season. And I think it's very important that we play very well against Marshall. Can, can I give you my dreams for my, my dream scenario that they put FAU uh, after they, let's say if FAU wins out and wins a conference, but they put FAU against UM and you guys take care of business and beat them as well. That would be a, a pretty, pretty strong statement to the up and coming FBS programs in South Florida that we put down uh, the team that has always been given all the attention for many years. I don't, I, I think with UM's record, they're still going to go to a pretty, like a decent a, ACC bowl tie-in. You know, I just do think it's funny. UM fans were talking a week ago how, because uh, Brett McMurphy came out with them possibly playing Alabama in the Orange Bowl. And oh God. I mean, it's just a friggin' joke now. Um, you know, <laughs> they, 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 they lose a Duke. They're six and six, right? And I don't, is Duke bad this year? I don't know. Uh, I mean, that, that'll be Duke on the road is always Duke on the road for UF. It's it's going to be, you know, interesting. Um, but you know what? I, I want to say, the, and I've been a critic, is where I think FIU simply won the game last night. 100% won the game. Was I thought Butch Davis completely outcoached Manny Diaz. Agreed. Uh, uh, so, I mean, that's, that's sort of, I mean, even if you go look at some of the stats, I mean, uh, Cam Harris and Miami's rushing attack was still averaging nearly seven yards of carry. I mean, FIU just got the stops when they needed to. I mean, the two fourth downs, uh, they were able to extend a, even a couple drives where they didn't score. Uh, you know, there was the drive where they converted the third in, what, I think, 18 on the draw play just Correct. to get them out of their own end. You know, uh, Tony Gator just – a couple times just reaching past that first down marker just to extend drives, you know, the two 50 yard field goals. I mean, they did, they just made the plays when they needed to. And Miami was just completely gaffed and they got a poor game out of Jaron Williams. Uh, And it's, you know, Butch Davis ran circles. I mean, I, 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 you know, I don't know how FIU fans feel. I was rooting for it last night. I was actually, it's funny. I was having a conversation with somebody two weeks ago because it happened at the Auburn LSU game about, you know, how difficult cramps can be in college football <laughs> games. Sometimes, you know, they just sneak up on you, especially when teams come out in person, certain personnel packages, um, you know, how to stop that. But, Butch played the rules. Uh, you know, Charlotte did that to FAU last year in the last game where they were cramping every play. And it's like Manny Diaz, it, it, it was almost like, uh, I, you know, Butch Davis saying, I don't care, New Miami, all the tricks, all the tweets. Mm-hmm. I'm still like, it, it almost like your dad beating you in basketball in one-on-one. You know what I mean? <laughs> I still, I still have this. Yes. You know what I mean? That That's what it felt like watching last night. I also enjoyed the fact that Jose Borgales was exceptional. He was really, really good. And the national audience saw Anthony Jones, Morgan, and uh, Sage Lewis, who are probably our three best guys and may have a chance to move on and play professionally, have a, a stout game. Sage, had, Sage, Sage was fantastic. Yeah. I, it's, it's, but my question is, as you can tell from the, the – 
get going. This is a, maybe a little question for Eric, and I think we'll kind of wrap up on this. Is we get it why UM was up for this game, but there is a part of me that if I was at FIU that would step back and be like, okay, we we won this game, but man, 90% of that energy last night has us probably right in the thick of things with FAU in the conference title race. Mm-hmm. You're right. Really quick, I'm going to touch on two things. And then Shane, I, I'm not exactly understanding your question, but I'm going to touch on these two things really quick and I'll come back. I, I, well, my question is, is kind of the obvious, where has this been? Yeah, where has this been? That's right. Okay, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's the typical fan kind of question, you know, where has this been? <laughs> okay, so the, the two things I want to touch on really quick. Um, in addition to Morgan and Sage uh, and Jose Borregas, as far as being NFL prospects, uh, Stanley Thomas Oliver is a guy who's getting a lot of attention from NFL scouts as well, and he had the interceptions. Just want to shout out uh, STO as well. Uh, but Sage was really helped by the bye week as far as getting uh, his health back. And also the coaching staff. I, I know uh, there's been a lot of chatter from the FIU faithful about their frustration with the coaching staff this year. I think just this goes to show that you know, part of it, I mean, sure, coaches, you know, sometimes coaches have bad games, but you will have part of it when if the players can execute, it opens up things for an offensive coordinator like Rich Skrosky. It opens up his playbook when you're not consistently on third and nine and third and ten and give a ton of credit to someone who I've been critical of um, in terms of, you know, questioning whether he may have been ready for the role in terms of Jeff Kopp uh, at defensive coordinator. Now, to get to Shane's question as far as where's it's been all year, I the best way I can answer that question is I think Butch Davis made a point to me on Wednesday, which when I asked him about the offensive line, remember, and you know, Mr. Handel and, and, and David will know this as well. Um, the offensive line tends to play a lot of guys, nine and 10 guys per game. They did that all of last year, but the off, but the guys who came back and returning this year were really in different roles, whether that's Mershon Miller, Shaquille Williams, you know, Dallas Cannell, Shane Magoo, they were playing different roles. And Butch was, you know, really emphatic that the offensive line needed time to gel. Um, how much of that is true or false? You know, I, I can't question him after the win last night, but there definitely is something to the idea that the offensive line, having all those new guys rotating in needed time to gel. And the second part of that, Shane, is Alexi Jean-Baptiste and Chris Whitaker became eligible, you know? So they weren't eligible the first uh, four or five games of the year, and that's made a difference uh, as far as what this team, you know, has, has really kind of kind of been and where that came uh, from last night. I know you've always got questions. So I want to give you a chance to shoot uh, questions uh, out before we transfer to uh, FAU. Okay, my only question is, Eric, what, do you think the victory last night is enough for FAU to get a bowl bid, or is it imperative that they beat Marshall? I, I don't want to say it's imperative that they beat Marshall. I was talking to, uh, I, I don't think Tyson will be upset at me saying this. I was talking to uh, FIU, SID Tyson Rogers after the game. And he said that, you know, it, it kind of, it, just like you, if you look at the landscape of Conference USA, six is kind of an iffy situation, but the win over Miami, of course, is a, is a defining win that you can point to and looks attractive for bowl sponsors and, 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 you know, things of that nature. But it's really iffy, Eddie, because you have a lot of P5 teams who are struggling. And because of that, a lot of G5 teams will get bowl bursts. But at the same point in time, you could potentially have eight Conference USA teams with six wins. Exactly. And, and the American is very strong as well. So I would say right now, if it, let's say, you know, worst case scenario plays out at six and six, I would put it at 50 50. But if you get that seventh win, it's it's a virtual certainty, but if it's at if it's at six and six, you might even want to give the tie to a Charlotte, who you know they haven't made a bowl game 
in their entire program history. So the fact right. that Will Healy did that in year one, that might be more attractive than FIU who really underachieved. Right. I agree. I agree. I, that's why next week is very important for us. Panther Nation. Well, uh, just to transition here a little bit, uh, that gave is it in, uh, as we kind of discussed, is it not it's important for FAU anymore? FAU had a, a pretty casual victory versus uh, UTSA yesterday, 40 to 26. UTSA uh, got a couple late scores to make it uh, closer than it was. Uh, there was actually some kind of fun uh, back and forth with Lane Kiffin and Frank Wilson in the game uh, going for two-point conversions. The bigger victory, uh, FAU, and I wasn't a believer, you know, until like it happened was uh, Charlotte beating Marshall yesterday on a gutsy call from uh, Will Healy. I don't know how many people saw it. Uh, Charlotte was up 17-13. Uh, they had a fourth and seven, I think with like kind of a minute 30 to go in the game. And they were kind of, they were a little longer field goal range. Uh, they could have attempted a field goal, but it would have been risky, you know, because it was pouring rain. So Will Healy decided to just go for it instead of kicking the field goal. And uh, they threw a ball into the end zone, and Victor Tector Tucker came up with it. Uh, you know, they sealed the deal versus Marshall, which puts FAU in um, right now, and especially with UAB beating Louisiana Tech yesterday, FAU is in the driver's seat to host a conference uh, title game again. Uh, you know, it's it, it's changed so quickly. I, I was joking with Eric before. It feels like Louisiana Tech suspended, the you know, the way it just kind of worked out. Now that they've taken a couple losses, and they suspended players their way into helping FAU host a title game. Yeah, you know, Shane, you know, I'll, I'll jump in there because I, I know, you know, David was immersed in the uh, – in the FIU win, so he's probably still catching up on a couple CUSA things. You know, it, it, just as far as that win for Charlotte, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head is in terms of you've been talking about it over the past couple podcasts, and I won't spend too much time, you know, making this the Charlotte Marshall podcast, but Isaiah Green can be a, 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 an inconsistent quarterback at times. I've talked about it on, on CUSA podcast, and it was something that I mentioned to you prior to this game is that don't underestimate Charlotte, you know, all the momentum that they had and looking to qualify for uh, a bowl game for the first time in program history. And, you know, guys like Chris Reynolds and, and Victor Tucker, you know, they all of them are underestimated guys. I mean, Vic Tucker is a local kid from Carroll City High School. Uh, one offer, if my memory serves me correct, one FPS offer, and that was from Charlotte. So you can't be too shocked. But to spin it around to the FAU side, you know, I caught the audio of Lane Kiffin postgame saying, hey, you know, they're in control of their own destiny. One more win. And, you know, the CUSA title game is coming home to Boca. So if you're an Owl fan, you have to be ecstatic about that. And also, I, I just, you know, I'm sure selfishly, you got to be happy that it doesn't put you in the position of having to root for FIU again. You know, that, uh, that you know, now you're in control of your own destiny. But like I said, you know, great win for Charlotte. Isaiah Green goes 6-17 with two picks. And it just goes to show that, I mean, uh, if you're an FAU fan, I, I've said this on this podcast, I think that they're the best team in this conference. Uh, you know, no disrespect to Louisiana Tech and the suspensions and, you know, Marshall's inconsistent as well. So I, I just think that FAU, it's really their conference to lose at this point. And, and one of the things, you know, just there was a couple of, you know, kind of notes from the FAU game yesterday is, uh, you know, just just for kind of FIU Conference USA fans to pay attention to is, uh, you know, Harrison Bryant had nearly... 200 yards last night receiving he was a semi-finalist for the Mackey award 
Uh, you know, we kind of joke, and Lane is so this way because, you know, after the Shula Bowl game, they, they talked about uh, putting Chris back in there to get 300 yards passing, and you could tell there was an obvious Lane forcing the ball to Harrison Bryant to, to get his stats to win that award. Uh, you, there's not many coaches in this country who do those type of things. You know what I mean? To really, like, I'm going to push – you know, sometimes you see at maybe the end of a player's career, if they're going to pass a school record for touchdowns or a national record, a coach, you know, might kind of light it up. But, you know, Lane was definitely trying to get uh, Harrison Bryant that award uh, last night. And uh, BJ Emmons had a nice touchdown run last night and, you know, had just under he had 10 carries for, I believe, just under 60 yards. Uh, and a touchdown run. So, you know, FAU's running attack slowly uh, comes back. Um, you know, I, I think we'll talk about a different podcast that just it views that I'd like to hear Eric and David's, but uh, on what their philosophy on what's the best bowl game kind of for G5 teams. I, I think people have different philosophies, but, you know, we can talk about that, uh, you know, if FAU takes care of business this weekend against a good Southern Miss team. Here's a quick question I've got for everybody. You know, Shane, David, please feel free to opine on this one. Um, with the win for FIU, obviously they get the huge South Florida win, right? We don't know how the rest of the season is going to play out. For FAU, should they beat Southern Miss and qualify for the CUSA title game? I just want your guys' perspective. Um, does FIU's win over UM kind of wipe away the um, – the overshadowing in the sense of FAU kind of winning three straight games against FIU. And the reason I asked that is because, um, you know, uncle Luke, he sent out a, a tweet on Twitter, essentially saying that, Hey, you know, yeah, FIU beat UM, but let's remember that FAU waxes team 37 to seven and, um, uh, excuse me, Lane Kiffin, you know, rep- replied to the tweet and said, yeah, you know, Hey, just so you guys remember, we did beat this team 37 to seven, you know, almost trying to keep FAU in the minds of everyone in South Florida right now. So I just want your guys thoughts on that. You know, where does this kind of put the, uh, the landscape of both teams considering what we talked about two weeks ago? Uh, I, I'll go first. I'll handle this. I think what it does. And you know, the reason why it, we, we did the poll question about rooting for FIU. And I like, I think it brings legitimately, especially with local media and stuff like this to both programs. Right now, people can look at it and be like, wow, that team that you have struggled with FAU waxed the week before, uh, you know, I, I think people will look at it and say, you know, wow, FAU's winning at two or three conference USA title games. They're not a, just a, uh, Oh, little cute off to the side winning titles. This is a legit good football team. And I think, you know, locally, people will take note of that. I, I think that's what they'll gain from it. They'll be like, well, you know, FAU's just kind of trucking along, gated victories, almost in almost in a way kind of how people view Boise State, where it's like, you know, whatever you look up, they're just doing what they do, and that's winning football games. And, you know, that's what I want people to kind of see at FAU. Uh, but I just think local media-wise, this will bring legitimacy to, to both programs. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think obviously for now, uh, and I think in this this season probably uh, even uh, even even whatever happens coming up, um, the story of the, I guess the year would be FIU beating UN uh, locally. Um, so in that aspect, I would say um, Miami area, yes, but I think as a whole. I think I agree with Shane that it, it, this win just brings legitimately uh, <laughs> legitimacy to both programs and to Conference USA and 
you know, whenever a conference USA or G5 school gets to be a power five school, it just lifts the conference and it lifts uh, the G5 um, programs in general. So I, I agree. I think short side, I think this will overshadow anything. Like I'll be honest with you. I walked out of that stadium so ecstatic and, and I, I, I once again, I don't ever, like I didn't think there was ever going to be a game for me, like in a long time that would top the way I felt after FIU won their first bowl game, but it was easily topped yesterday walking on that stadium. It, it made me completely forget that we lost FAU again. It made me forget we kept blown up by middle Tennessee. I don't even care about that anymore. This win uh, meant so much to the program, and, and I think in the long run, it's really going to help um, uh, both schools. Uh, yeah, I, I think just I just think the win did more for FIU off the field, just oh, with yeah. you know kind of the fan base with Miami, and like you could never point to us. And uh, you know, it's funny. I I joke it. I can't looking forward to listening to the local hours, but love it hard show on Monday. Uh, so it, it's it's yeah, I mean, just, you know, my quick thoughts on that is, is I'm very intrigued, you know, obviously as someone who covers FIU, but also covers Conference USA. What I'm looking forward to see, you know, to spin it forward is media days. I just want to see what the procession is, you know, because this is, I don't, I don't know if, you know, any of you guys can think of another one, but this is the biggest win for CUSA this year. Um, I, I, you know, the P5 win with uh, Arkansas and Western Kentucky. I mean, Arkansas isn't, isn't any good. And sure, you can make the same case about UM, but I just think given of how much of an underdog FIU was and given this rivalry, this is the biggest win for CUSA this year. So I'm interested to see how that plays out in media days and just see what the perception is, because I know what the perception was heading into last year. And, and that was that FIU was kind of sneaking up and had that potential to bypass FAU but obviously that's a year-to-year thing so we'll see what happens but uh, it'll be interesting to watch but remember you know we got this uh, upcoming week of football and it's huge for both schools with that being said guys we are going to call this an episode Uh, I'm gonna go rest my vocal cords um, because they definitely need it but as Eric just said it is definitely still another big week for both schools FAU is playing Southern Miss and FIU is playing Marshall um it's big. It's it's still another big weekend, but I'm definitely still going to enjoy this week. Um, but if let's let's do a quick roundtable before I sign off of Twitter handles because we haven't done this in a while. You can find me at Mister Handel three two one. Tweet at me any FIU things. Eric, what's your handle? You can find me at Eric E R I C. C Henry H E N R Y underscore for all things conference USA and all things FIU football. Yeah. And you can find me at Marinelli Shane or in uh, Gabby's mentions the whole week. <laughs> um, I will be there. Uh, even as an FAU fan, there's nothing more that I enjoy uh, getting on UM fans. It's, it's sometimes it, it, what gets me up in the morning. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then as always, you can follow our uh, podcast's Twitter at, at @chewablepod, and of course, hit Five Reason Sports with a follow as well. So, thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next week.